This is WJR's Business Biography. Now here's your host, Jeff Sloan. What started in 1973, when 23-year-old Larry Mobby planted his first vines in Leelanau County in northern Michigan, then named the Elm Valley Estate Vineyard, one of Michigan's oldest commercial vineyards, little did he know he would establish a company that would become one of Michigan's most successful wineries. Those initial plantings became the cornerstone of what is now known as Mobby Winery. And in 1984, under the newly established Mobby Wine brand, made its first sale of their now highly sought-after sparkling wines. Today, Larry Mobby, following his retirement from the company, is now a consultant, and the company is led by brothers Mike and Peter Lang. Michael, Mobby's current CEO and lead winemaker, didn't grow up on a path to making wine as a career, but now finds himself in what he qualifies as simply what he loves doing. The brothers were born and raised in Ann Arbor. Michael studied mathematics education at Miami University from 1997 to 2001, and then upon graduating, worked as a high school math teacher in Barrington, Illinois. In 2005, he headed off to teach high school math in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates at a private American school, then returned to take a sabbatical from teaching in order to help his parents with the winery they had started in Leelanau County in 2003. And it was those grapes grown on that vineyard that led them to another grower in Leelanau County, his name, Larry Mobby. It was Larry who purchased the grapes grown on the Lang family vineyard. Then with a real interest and a growing passion for winemaking, Michael headed to New Zealand to work at a custom winemaking facility in order to learn the business and hone his craft of winemaking. There he made Pinot Noir, and there he decided to make winemaking his future career focus. After his return from New Zealand in 2008, Michael took a job working for Larry Mobby, joining his brother Peter there, and their hard work and dedication ever since has led the company to its extreme level of success it enjoys today all while leading the brothers to becoming owners in the company. Mike, we're thrilled to have you on with us. Great to be talking about wine on our show today. Many of us love and enjoy wine, but few of us really understand the behind the scenes that make it all happen, the behind the scenes that result in the product so many of us appreciate. So many interesting career paths one could take in life. You chose well with a career path in making wine. So romantic, so rich, so incredibly rewarding when and if done right. Tell us, what exactly do you do as CEO and lead winemaker at Mobby Winery? I run the day-to-day operation with some consult from our parents every week. We have a member meeting, but They're largely retired and not too involved day-to-day. I'm the product manager, I would say, for sure. I'm the person that works with our marketing and winemaking teams to develop new products and to create new ideas and see those through to the finish line. That's what my main role is, and that's what I really love. Now, Mike, your background and your education wouldn't necessarily indicate that you were headed for a career in winemaking. No, it wouldn't. Your education was really had a, a focus in mathematics. Tell us a bit about your background and how it is that you kind of unexpectedly put yourself on a career path to become the lead of a major wine brand. No, but I come from a, a pretty entrepreneurial family. So I grew up in Ann Arbor 
and I had to get out of town. Growing up in a college town was great, but I wanted to get out of town. So I went to school at Miami University down in Ohio, got a math education degree, taught for six years. I taught outside of Chicago in the suburbs, and then I taught in the Middle East. I taught overseas for a couple of years, which was a great experience. I was able to travel a lot and meet a bunch of really cool people. And then I came to Northern Michigan uh, because my family created an opportunity for my brother and I to, to work together and create something special or carry on something special, I guess, as it were, with Mobby. So my parents moved from Ann Arbor up north to plant a vineyard and to grow grapes, something my dad had always wanted to do. He'd always wanted to be a farmer. And he was sick of what he was doing in the Detroit area. So he made a move and created a relationship with Larry Mobby that ended up being a partnership and my brother and I became involved in about 2007, 2008, and we've been there ever since. So it was really the vision of my folks wanting to unite the family to work together that made this opportunity happen for my brother and I. Mike, tell us about your brother, Peter Lang. He's also very active in the company. How do you guys divide the roles? Tell us about your brother and where the breakdown in roles are. He's a very engineer-style brain, very good with numbers, very good with spreadsheets. And he has a real business sense. And I'm more of an artistic mind, I would say. And so we complement each other really well. And uh, yeah, it, it works well. And now you, obviously we're siblings, so we have our moments. But for the most part, we complement each other pretty well. So my role, wear a lot of different hats, as most entrepreneurs or business owners, small business owners do. I will be fixing a refrigerator one minute and painting a room the next, but the bulk of my responsibilities are overseeing the winemaking. I oversee production. We've got five people in the cellar at all times producing the wine. And then I also oversee the tasting room, which is a big business center for us, a big profit center. And then I help with marketing. So I have a marketing manager that I work with closely and we work on events as well, offsite, onsite, but also marketing our wine club. And then I do distributor sales Certainly entrepreneurs and leaders of entrepreneurial companies have lots of hats to wear. You certainly do. And without question, success in any entrepreneurial endeavor takes more than wearing a bunch of different hats. It takes an incredible amount of hard work, even if you get to do something as cool as making wine. Hard work and uh, focus on details. I'm sort of the public-facing winemaker as the owner. So I learned from Larry Mobby, our founder, and he taught me how to make wine, but he also taught me how to sell wine. And he taught me the essence of what Mobby really is, which all of us that work at Mobby really feel and know and can easily talk about this brand and what it is. We touch it, we feel it, we breathe it. It's an honor to carry on the brand. And I, I just learned from hard work, honestly. I did one vintage in New Zealand for a couple months, but uh, otherwise my experiences in the cellar at Mobby, uh, learning from Larry Mobby himself. I would say 90% of the job is cleaning, frankly. Luckily for us, wines in general and sparkling wines specifically are, are really low pH products. So they're fairly stable. Not a lot of microbes can grow in that environment, but we're always cleaning, always cleaning. That attention to detail is the number one probably characteristic of a good winemaker. In my opinion, it's all about the details. And those are the most important things, I think. And of course, Mike, it, it takes a team to make it all work. Tell us about your team at Mobby and what roles each key member fills. That's a great question because it was largely one guy in the past. Um, Larry 
Mobby who founded the business. But since the brand has grown so much, I've been at Mobby for 16 years. And in that time, we've tripled in size as far as the production of number bottles a year. We've tripled. So we've needed support to run the business. So our key players, this is not in, in any particular order, we have a winemaker that his name's Tony Jacobson, and we have an assistant winemaker, Bill Weiss. And these guys have really elevated our practices, our winemaking technique. Both of those guys have been with us for seven, eight, nine years. So we've got a good history with them and then a supporting cast of three guys below them that help there. Our tasting room manager, Holly Smith, she's a veteran of the service industry. Claire Lapine is our marketing and fizz club manager. We've got my brother, who I guess I would say is probably our CEO. He's a numbers guy, the real business mind. And our vineyard manager is Megan Budd. She's a graduate of Michigan State, so a real talent on the vineyard management side of things. And we just hired a, a young woman that we, uh, operations manager that we hope will help out with the business. But it's a small team. I mean, uh, just about a dozen full-timers, so that's the core. Mike, it's such a cool business to be in, at least from the outside looking in, it is. I mean, here you are, you're working in an agricultural business, producing a product that people really appreciate, people really love, and it's very earthy. Yet while it's all of that, it still has aspects of being a business. You know, the reality is all the fundamentals, the blocking and tackling that's associated with running a successful business have to come into play here as well, of course. And so I'm just curious, are there certain aspects that thrill you most, that you enjoy most about being in the role you're in as leader of Mobby Winery? First of all, you nailed the essence of the cool factor of the job. I mean, growing something from the ground, making a product from it. I mean, that's the real cool stuff. I like making new products with my team. That's the most fun. Creating new wine styles, creating products that are unique for our customers to enjoy. That's, that's the most fun for me, for sure. Creating new wine styles, creating products that are unique for customers to enjoy, working with your brother to achieve common goals and aspirations, making a product that people so enjoy. Those are the hallmarks of the life Michael Lang and his brother Peter are privileged to enjoy as they lead Mobby Winery together. We're going to head to a break, but we'll be back with more of their story right here on Business Biography. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Today we're featuring the story of one of Michigan's premier wineries located in Leelanau County and today producing a great line of sparkling wines. Joining us is Michael Lang to tell the story, current CEO and lead winemaker. Michael, every great success story starts with an idea, a vision, ambition, and certainly a dedicated and passionate entrepreneur making it all happen. And Larry Mobby, the founder of Mobby Wineries, is just that kind of guy. Tell us about Larry in the early days of Mobby Wineries. I hope I can do this the justice it deserves. So I'll start by saying that Larry Mobby was from the Grand Rapids area and grew up on the farm. I mean, his family had thousands of acres of fruit orchards, cherries, apples, all the way from Grand Rapids up into the Garden Peninsula in the UP. And he moved up north when he was a kid, and he would manage crews of orchard workers when he was in his early teens. I mean, he's grown up 
on the farm. And when he was in college, 22 or something like that, he took a trip to Europe. And this is, as he explains to me, kind of where he caught this wine bug and where he realized an alternative crop to grow to produce a value-added product from it. And he just had a great experience in that European atmosphere with wine and uh, realized how cool it was to enjoy wine with food. And the whole experience kind of opened his eyes. And so when he came back home and, and he bought a parcel of land in Leelanau Peninsula, right around the corner from his family farm, and started growing grapes. But he supported that initial investment with a continued employment, you know, with his family on their farm. So he was starting the grape growing with Bernie Rink, who was the founder of Boscadel Winery. And the two of those guys really didn't know what the heck would grow <laughs> in northern Michigan. So they planted all sorts of stuff. And they planted a lot of hybrid varieties because those were cold-hardy varieties that they thought would grow well. And, and then over the years, they started experience with what we call vinifera, which are European varieties that more of us are familiar with hearing, like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. But I guess that's the early picture, is a kid... I wouldn't really describe him as a hippie, but but he's a poet, he's a writer, and uh, he's a great marketer too. I think he was thinking, he's always thinking ahead about where the brand should be. And those are big shoes to fill for us, but uh, that's the context of how the brand was started. By the way, Mike, I've got to say, Larry Mobby sounds like one cool guy. Yeah, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. And he was really a true pioneer, certainly a pioneer in the field of planting a vineyard in the state of Michigan, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, certainly in Northwest Lower Peninsula. But you had a lot of grape growing, a significant amount in Southwest Michigan, and still a significant amount. But there's a, a lot of juice grapes, Concords and Niagara's. But uh, St. Julian was around, and shortly after Larry started, they planted grapes on Old Mission Peninsula, and that was Ed O'Keefe, and he planted vinifera. He planted European varieties, taking a chance on those, kind of pioneering that aspect of the grape growing. So there were players, but certainly on the Leelanau Peninsula, Larry and Bernie Rink were the first. But otherwise, there was some grape growing for sure going on in Michigan, yeah. And then in 1984, he started to focus exclusively on producing sparkling wines. Yeah, so what he would do, and this is really cool too, he would load up a van and deliver his wines himself around the state. So he had really good relationships with store owners. And that's something that I tried to learn from Larry. And uh, it's really important for us to know, to know who's selling our products. And so he would drive around the state delivering his wines. He would do this in a day. So he would pack his van up the night before. And then like at four in the morning would drive Grand Rapids, then go through Lansing, then go to Detroit, and then end up back in Traverse City at the end of the day. But I guess where I'm going with that is he started buying grower champagnes. He started buying other wines from these wine proprietors from these wine shops and he started tasting bubbly and then i think the light bulb went off and he experimented on his own with bottle fermented wines method champenois production in the mid 80s and just sunk his teeth into that while still creating table wines and then about a decade later a little over that decided well we can do it we can really make cool sparkling wines here in michigan and that's what the Mobby brand is going to be. So that was kind of the path for developing 
his palate, number one, his relationships with people in the business, number two, and with the sparkling wine style. Mike, you mentioned that Larry was great going around and promoting the product, talking to store owners, getting the product into the market, being an ambassador for the product. And I would imagine that's extremely important in your business. You know, when you walk into a store that sells wine, there's so many options and it can be confusing and overwhelming. You don't know what to buy. You're really looking at labels, bottles on the shelf. You might check the rating of the wine, but for the average consumer, the touch point is at the store not at the winery, and a lot of consumers don't know things like the backstory or who's behind the brand, what it's all about, what you stand for. They're really relying on a recommendation from the store owner or operator or the staff to guide them. And so what Larry would do by going out into the market and promoting the product to the store owners must have been extremely helpful to ultimately getting your product to move off the shelves. Yeah, that's, I guess, what I've understood to be kind of Sales 101 is creating relationships with your partners. And if you do that, then you'll stay top of mind. And um, you might be that first or second or third option that they'll think of when a customer's asking. So, yeah, it's certainly not unlike, you know, what I've heard some of your other guests talk about, where it does take hard work and it takes boots on the ground. And it's good to know those ambassadors and to, to foster those relationships. So... Not every store owner is going to love your product, but there are going to be those people that do, and, um, and those people are going to be the, the strongest supporters. So, And then continuing with the story here, the history, in 2009, Larry partners with the Lang family. Tell us again how that partnership came to be and how it all happened. Yeah, so I mentioned that my folks moved up from the Ann Arbor area, planted grapes. They actually planted grapes with Larry Mobby somewhat. I mean, he helped them figure out what to plant with the idea that he would buy the fruit as it developed. So, Also in Leelanau County? Yes, yep. That's in Lake Leelanau specifically, a little town between Sutton's Bay and Leland. So they planted grapes. They started selling their fruit to Larry. My dad worked a couple harvests to understand the business a little bit more. I came on board in 2007. I worked with Larry for a couple of years before my family partnered. But that relationship was already there. And that developed because my parents were selling their grapes to Larry Mobby. A relationship that started with the Lang family selling the grapes they produced on their family's vineyard in Leelanau County, Michigan, to a local wine producer named Larry Mobby leads to a partnership that makes the Lang family owners in the business and which gives the business wings to grow under the leadership of the Lang brothers, Mike and Pete Lang. We're headed to a break. We'll be back with more of our story of Mobby Wineries right here on Business Biography. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Slow. Welcome back. Today we're featuring the story of Mobby Winery, one of Michigan's leading producers of sparkling wines. Joining us to tell the story is current CEO and lead winemaker, Michael Lang. So, Mike, now with your family as owners in the business, with you as CEO, you're working still with co-founder Larry Mobby. You've been able to grow the business, and now Mobby Wineries is a highly regarded brand in the state of Michigan, specifically for the high-quality sparkling wines that you guys produce. Tell us about where Mobby fits into the competitive landscape in the winemaking industry here in the state of Michigan today. So 
Mobby is important in the greater wine scheme because we focus on sparkling wine. And the reason we do that is because our region, our growing region, northern Michigan, is very cool climate. I mean, if you think about Michigan in terms of the uh, other growing regions of the world, we're, we're very cold. And um, that means our growing season is short. We do not need to ripen fruit to levels of sugar that would be used for table wine. We, we pick early. And so it's the right region to make sparkling wine. And so Larry Mobby made the decision to focus on sparkling wine exclusively in the late 90s. And we still believe that that's the right style of wine to be making in northern Michigan. So that is what sets us apart. Our branding is not stuffy and formal like a lot of sparkling wine brands. It's very light. It's easier to approach from a visual perspective. Our labels are bright, colorful, fun. We believe that, you know, we should celebrate every day and uh, no better way to do that than with Mobby Sparkling Wines. So that's really what sets us apart. Mike, where is the Mobby product currently available in the market today? Our sales are mostly in Michigan, but we also sell our wines in Ohio. We distribute in Ohio, Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, Virginia, D.C., Maryland, a little bit in Texas, but we ship a lot of wine to sparkling wine connoisseurs all over the country. So we've got a great wine club, 3,000 members plus. They're just strong advocates for what we do. And uh, we are launching a new website shortly, so we've been working on that pretty hard as we celebrate our 50th anniversary this year. We've got a lot of fun things coming. Tell us what type of grapes you're using and what varieties of sparkling wines you're currently making. So uh, that's another reason why we focus on sparkling wine in northern Michigan is because we can grow Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc. All of these varieties are used across the world to make high-quality sparkling wine, and we can grow them in northern Michigan. So those are a few. Those are a few of the varieties that uh, folks have heard of. But we also are strong proponents of hybrid fruit varieties, grape varieties that have been bred for one desirable characteristic or another, mostly for cold hardiness. And we've always used hybrid grapes, and we will continue to do so. Tell us about how you execute your distribution of the product today, Mike. Well, our distribution partner in Michigan is Great Lakes Wine and Spirits, and they do a tremendous job of selling our product. So we're well represented in chain accounts as well as independent retailers and restaurants all across the state. So to answer your question, you can find our products just about everywhere in Michigan. And that's a testament to our relationship with Great Lakes Wine and Spirits. Yeah. And of course, another big part of your business, as you mentioned, is the wine tasting that you do. It's the experiential side of the business. And it's also a big part of the business because people come, they taste your wines, they enjoy it, then they ultimately buy your wines, they become loyal customers and make repeat purchases, etc. It's how they learn about the wines that you sell and you deliver them a great experience and it can be highly effective. Tell us more about that side of the business. Yeah, that's a huge part of the business. And, you know, every year we say, oh, we won't see more people or, oh, we won't beat last year's sales. And we see more people and uh, we beat the previous year's sales. And it's a great region to visit in general. But people are starting to come to northern Michigan specifically for wine, which has not necessarily been the case 15 years ago. But it is the case now. And that's a testament to the talent that we have in northern Michigan and what people are doing with our wine products. But yes, the tasting room is huge. 
Our busiest season is obviously the summer and into the fall. Fall Saturdays are huge for us. I mean, we saw 700 people a day, some Saturdays. So it's huge. And, and we have to make a point to spend time with people and to tell our story because that's where the real connection to the brand is made. So we, we spend a lot of time talking about that. We create experiences to highlight what we're doing. And that's a focus for us for sure. Mike, you mentioned that Michigan wines now are starting to get real respect in the industry, not just because they're good Michigan wines, but because Michigan is producing some really good wine by any standard or any measure. They kind of have come of age. It's no longer a stepchild in the industry, and we're getting real respect now. Why do you think that's happening? Is it because the wines are improving in quality? Is it because our reputation is improving relative to the rest of the industry? What's driving the fact that Michigan wines now are really coming of age and getting a lot of respect in the marketplace and a lot of play from a business standpoint? I think it's a couple things. This huge, big style, I'll, I'll refer to it as the Napa cabs and the big fruit bombs. I think people are a little tired of those styles. And Michigan wines are kind of a refreshing alternative in the sense that they're really food wines. Our wines are really vibrant with a refreshing acidity, and they pair really well with food. And I think people are starting more so to treat wine that way in this country as a pairing with food than just a pre-dinner drink. And really, the essence of Michigan wine, I think, is when you enjoy it with food, because, well, I'll just say it again, you know, the real crisp acidity cleanses the palate, pairs well with a variety of foods. But the timing's right, too. I mean, people are looking for the underdog. People are looking for new regions, emerging regions, different styles. So there's a lot of noise on the shelf. You know, we're competing with all sorts of other brands, but this state is a very strong supporter of Michigan-made products. And um, we thank you. We thank you, listeners, for that support. You mentioned, you know, that part of the branding, part of the market positioning of the Michigan-made product in the marketplace is that it isn't as, at least presumably, as stuffy. It's not as off-putting and it's more approachable. These are easy and versatile wines to enjoy, and it's available right here in our backyard, of course. There has been a history of, of that, though, right? I think in the wine industry, it's kind of like an elitist type of product, but we couldn't agree more with how you framed that. It should be a beverage that is approachable and there shouldn't be a lot of stuffiness and ego around it. Michigan wines coming of age and gaining respect. Ma B wineries, a big part of what's driving the Michigan wine industry. And today we're featuring the story of how Ma B wineries was founded by Larry Ma B and how brothers Mike and Pete Lang are leading it now to be a major player not only in the Michigan wine industry, but as part of the broader industry at large as well. We're headed to a quick break. Stick with us. We'll be back with more of today's story right here on Business Biography. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Slow. Welcome back. Today we're featuring the story of Mobby Wineries, one of Michigan's most respected and enjoyed sparkling winemakers. Joining us is current Mobby CEO and lead winemaker, Mike Lang. Mike, tell us about the size of your business today, you know, in terms of its production as compared to others and so on. I would say that in the context of other Michigan brands, 
we're kind of in the middle size wise. We're about 30,000 cases a year, but there are other much larger brands than us in this state. And if you're talking about nationwide, we're, we're real small. So 30,000 is not much, but so we, we make sparkling wine a couple different ways. We make the traditional champagne style, but we also make tank fermented bubbly. And those wines are a little more approachable from a price point perspective. And so we've seen the most growth in that tank fermented line of products. But as far as sparkling wine producers, so I guess I, we looked at Michigan. We talked about production there and nationwide. As far as sparkling wine goes, we're, we're actually pretty big. So if you look at other sparkling wine producers, we produce quite a bit of wine in that style specifically. Mike, I mentioned how difficult it is. You walk into a wine store, you don't know really which wines to buy. You rely on the store owner sometimes, but you also may rely on wine ratings. I'm just curious how you guys view the importance of wine ratings relative to having success in the marketplace. I think that ratings from wine critics and reputable publications to me, hold more value to market our products than, say, wine competition results, only because the consumer doesn't know which competition is more elite than another, you know. But they do know Wine and Spirits magazine, Food and Wine magazine, Wine Spectator magazine, Robert Parker, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we've focused on submitting our wines for review to get that rating more than wine competitions themselves, if I were to compare the two. I, I think it's important to set yourself apart in that way, just as you've described how you make your buying decisions. So yeah, there's value to it for sure. All right. So here we are with Michigan wines really coming of age, getting respect, doing well in the marketplace broadly, and certainly Mobby finding success as well, very significantly. When you look at the future, in particular, as you look at the future of the Michigan wine, both marketplace and from a producer and supplier standpoint, what do you see in the future? I see a lot more brands coming out of Michigan, northern Michigan specifically. I see cherry orchards being ripped out and planted to grapes. And I, I don't say that in a negative way. I just say that in a way, just from observation, I think that that industry has seen some hard times and the orchards that are planted, the cherry orchards that are planted are planted on really great sites. They're up high, they're south facing. Those are also great spots to grow grapes. So I see more wineries. I see more land being converted to grape growing, especially in Northwest Michigan. And Mike, I'm just curious, when you mention brands in the wine industry, does a brand, does a winemaker have to grow their own grapes or can they source product from another grower as opposed to growing their own? Well, they can be separate things. You don't have to grow your own grapes to own your own brand. You can buy the grapes. And there are a few custom winemaking operations in Northern Michigan. So you can grow your grapes or buy your grapes and then have your wine made at a separate location and then sell your wine at your own location. So that's what I mean by brands. I think you're going to see more brands that maybe have their own vineyards. Maybe they don't. But I think that in general, there will be more grapevines planted in northern Michigan in the years to come for sure. And Mike, where are we in the trajectory of growth in the Michigan grape growing industry? Is there still room for significant growth? Has it matured? Where are we in terms of the growth of the industry? Is there still a lot of growth potential ahead, Mike? I think so. 
Yeah, because the reason I say that is we don't make enough wine in northern Michigan to market our brands nationwide. There's just not enough fruit planted. So to take our products nationally, we need more grapes. And so that's where I think there's a lot of potential. And it's a great region for growing crisp, aromatic, fresh, vibrant wines. And I think that uh, people are, are going to be excited about those for years to come. So I, I think there's a huge opportunity. And where Mobby sits in that arena will be focusing on sparkling wine, continuing to perfect that craft. We also help other businesses enter market with sparkling products, with custom work. Sometimes customers that want a sparkling product come to us, and we're happy to support that because we want to see more sparkling wine on the shelves because we think that's the right style for the region. If there are entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs listening to the show and they say, wow, this all sounds really cool. I want to do what Mike does. This sounds like a really cool way of life. And certainly it all sounds romantic. And for all these reasons we've talked about, and especially for those of us from the outside looking in, it's such an appealing thing to consider doing with one's life for a career. And so if there are people out there listening, aspiring entrepreneurs listening, and they want to start a business, would you tell them it's a good business to get into? Well, here's what I think that people entering the business don't necessarily understand. It doesn't take that much time to make wine. It takes a lot of time to sell wine. A lot of people enter this business with this romantic idea, that this picture that you've sort of just painted, but they don't understand that the wine won't just sell itself. And it takes real hard work, hours of talking with with salespeople, with meeting with distributors, with working with customers. I mean, you have to talk to your customers all the time, every day. So it's time consuming to sell the wine. It's easy to make it. And I don't say that lightly. It does take craftsmanship to create great products. But what I'm saying is the time spent doing that versus selling, people don't understand. Mike, I know it's really important to you to not only be successful in your industry, but also to give back. Tell us about some of the philanthropic focus that your company has. Yeah, we really value our community and what we have going on in Northern Michigan. I mean, it's a great way of life. It's a great set of supporters of both what we're doing on the grape growing side of things, but also focusing on preserving water quality. So we're very focused on keeping our environment looking great and working in a healthy way. So we like to support efforts like that. So environmental causes are strong to us. We want to keep the water clean, clear, fresh. But yeah, we, it's always been a part of what we do, giving back. So I don't know. We just want to be good community members, basically, good neighbors in general. So that's kind of a basic framework for that. And we give back in a lot of ways. So we'll commonly create new labeled products, maybe co-branded products with partners and give portions of the proceeds away or... We will raise money from the sales of other products in our tasting room. So a wide range of things. We basically want to be valuable members of our community. I'm just curious, do you view yourself as entrepreneur first or winemaker first? Is it really for you a business focus first or is it the art of winemaking that really drives you and has you loving what you do? I think I'm co-worker first, really. I really value my team, I guess, is what I'm saying. Uh, that's kind of what gets me excited, working with such a great group of people. And I really think that that has been what's kind of led us to where we are and what will take us into the future is our creative minds, just great people. 
everybody from our winemaker, our sales team, our tasting room employees. It's a great little culture that we have, and that's what excites me, and that's what I think will keep us going. Mike, do you see this as your life's work now? Are you committed to finishing your career, doing what you're doing now? You know, you started an education in mathematics, went off and did some work teaching, then made your way into the wine business and into the leadership role that you're now in. Do you see this as this being it for you for the rest of your life? I don't know the answer to that. It would be nice to work with my kids. So I think I want to see what they think of the business and how they view the opportunity. And if they want to work with dad, (laughs) I would be tickled. I would love that. I love working in the vineyard with just my brother, spending time with him. I love the creative outlet that we have with another little side project called Big Little Wines. So there's a lot of opportunities for us, but I do have a strong passion for my coworkers and for what we're doing with our products. It's all exciting stuff. I don't mean to sound like, oh, I'm out of the wine industry tomorrow. Absolutely not. No, I love it. It's a passion for sure. Like I said, really great team, super fun people. Our customers are outstanding, and it's just an energizing environment to be in every day. Doing what you love, being close to the earth, building a great business with family and close partners, seeing the fruits of your labor. What could be better for the Lang Brothers and Mobby Wineries? Perhaps nothing. Thanks for joining us for today's featured story right here on Business Biography. Thanks for listening to Business Biography on the great voice of the Great Lakes, 760 WJR.